This podcast is a presentation of Faith Assembly of God, where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Get more information online at faithishere.org to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 11 a.m. Thank you for making this podcast a part of your week. Stand with me. We're going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 12 through 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 12 through 14, and verse 27. And here's what it says. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we are all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now skip down to Romans chapter 12. Turn with me there. Romans chapter 12. Verse 4 and 5. And it says this. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Lord, we thank you that today we belong to each other in this church. God, that you have stated from your word that we need each other, and that we are better together, and that we are not Great alone, but we are greater in a group of people making a difference in this world. And Lord, I pray that today as the word goes forth that you would compel us to search you out, to seek you, and to know you today. And I pray that you'd bless this time together. In your name we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated this morning. I could simply say this this morning, that we need each other, church. I could say this, God needs you today. Somerville needs you today. This nation needs you. Really, the world in general needs you today. And when we say that, I could say this, that we are better together. Why the 40 days of community, you ask? Well, I believe this, that shocking changes have taken place in this world that we have lived in. And we even celebrated this last week, a tragic event that took place... But somehow God uses those things to help us reach out even better together. And I think this, that American Christians think that the unreached, the unchurched people groups of this this land is maybe in a foreign country like Asia or Latin America or Africa. But I would say this this morning, that our nation is full of unreached people groups. There are disillusioned teens everywhere. There are prison inmates, addicts, homeless, disaster victims, cynical college students, we might even add. There's a study that I came across, and it's from the University of Michigan, and it says this. Here's some stats for you, statistics. Is that 9% of our 8th graders in America, at least once a month, are carrying a gun, a knife, or a club to school. But if you go a little deeper, that the average 16-year-old sees 15,000 sexual acts on TV by the time that they reach, what, 18. And then if you go on, there's, 
There's statistics like this, that 43% of our evangelistic um, teenagers that are growing up in fundamental churches just like this one, by the age they reach 19 years of age, they've had sexual intercourse. Guys, that's damaging. That should wake us up as the church. That should get stir us inside of our lives because all this is taking place in our society. Radical changes are happening. And you know what happens? This is what's taking place. The church is largely silent. Now let me say this. I don't believe it's necessarily faith assembly, but you have to understand, it's the church at large. They're just silent. No one's saying anything. But I believe this is the time that each and every one of us must do this. We must pick up the word of God and boldly proclaim the message of Jesus Christ. To the teenagers, to the adults, whoever it is, we must stand up as the church and live for who Christ wants us to live and be who he wants us to be. If you look into a missionary's life, they have a strategy when they go into a foreign country. Is they learn the culture first, they learn the language, and then they somehow try to relate and see how they can relate the gospel to those people that they're around. There's a strategy. But in America... This is what somewhat takes place, is that we build a great big building and we expect people to come to us. Now think about that for a moment. That doesn't make sense, does it? We must be a church that gets out of the four walls, five walls of the church, and what engages the world. So as they've walked into our churches, they have insisted they don't really know our language. We speak our own Christianese. And they don't understand it. We want to just do our own thing. And so our culture has somewhat drifted away from the church. And we've let them. So the church must move from what I call an attractional theology to an incarnational theology. And what exactly is that? Well, It's something like this, the Old Testament, the New Testament. The New Testament believers believe this, is that Christ was going to work through them. And they were open to that. They were dedicated to the Word of God. They were dedicated to living their life for Christ and allowing Christ to move through them. They literally became the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And so what are we? Literally, we must do this. We must seep into the cracks and the crevices of our society with a Christ-like presence, wherever we are and wherever we go. An attractional theology, what draws people in, but an incarnational theology sends people out of the church. And that's what we want to be a part of. So today, as we look at the 40 days of community, we need to drift back into our culture and engage it with the intent to influence it for Christ and win it back for Christ. If we are going to win our community for Christ, we must understand two important scriptural elements. And I'm going to give them to you now as you follow along in your outline. Number one, we serve better together. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, real quick. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete and 
By being like-minded, it says. Having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. We serve better together. If you were part of the 40 days of purpose, we talked about the big idea that you were shaped to serve God. How many ministers do we have here this morning? We all are ministers. (laughs) You can all raise your hands. But we were meant to do it together, not separately. To live out our life for Christ, doing it together because we are more effective and we're going to get more done by doing it together. It's why Jesus sent out his followers in teams. You can read it in the Bible. So how can we serve each other? First, we can serve each other by using our talents for Christ. You see, you have talents that I don't have. And I have talents that you don't have. And there are others who have talents in this room that neither of us have. And the Bible tells me that your talents and my talents are not for your benefit. They're for the benefit of others in the church. So he gave you this personality, this God-given talent and gift, and he gave you spiritual gifts in his word for the benefit of others and not yourself. Our talents are for each other. Listen to 1 Peter 4.10. I'm going to read it real quick. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. That's the word of God. A second way we can serve each other is by offering our help. In Galatians chapter 2, I love this verse. It says this, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Some of it says this, help carry each other's burdens. So what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is really the great commandment. And the Bible says that any time you do an act of service, a kind errand, or just a a thoughtful gesture, a help in a practical way, you are fulfilling the great commandment. What is that? It's the law of Christ. You are loving your neighbor as yourself. I remember one time when I lived in this house and I had a riding lawnmower and I I thought the Lord spoke to me one day. He says, you know what? You need to go offer your neighbor your service to mow his yard and not his, his yard, but behind his yard where there's four foot grass. And at first I thought, now, Lord, is this the pizza that I ate last night or is this really you? How many's ever been there before? God, is that really you? So I thought, well, I'm going to try this. I'm going to do this. So I I went over to my neighbor's house. I pulled up to his yard in my huge 12 to 14 horsepower craftsman riding lawnmower. That's a joke. It's not very big at all. And I, I don't know if you speak to your lawnmower, but that day I did. I said, we've got to go do a project. And I began to pet it. I said, I know you're going to be scared when we pull up on that big grass, but you can do it. That lawnmower coughed and said no, and I had to get it back in order. Listen, the Lord has called us to do this. I don't know if you heard him, but I heard him. I don't know what you had to eat last night, but I know what I had to eat last night. So I went over there, and I, I uh, went to the back of the yard, and I mean, it was It was tall. Pulled up there and I said, listen, I'd love to mow your your grass back here. And he had a pushing lawnmower. (laughs) And he said, yeah, sure, go ahead. So I mowed the whole thing. I mean, it was just a little section. took me four hours to do it. Not really. 
And I maneuvered my way and we mowed it. And I thought, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, thanks. And I left. And I said, Lord, why do what? Why do we do those things for? He says, it's the small things in life that make a difference. See, we want to do the great big things in life. We want, we want the Lord to see us do the big things in life, but he's more interested in us doing the small things in life. Because if we know, if he knows that we do the small things in life, we're not doing it to get a credit. We're not doing it to get a big star or a certificate on our wall. We're doing it because he's asked us to. And you say, I don't know if the Lord is speaking to me. I have no idea what he's saying to me. Listen to this. Here's the principle that I live by. I'd rather be wrong a thousand times than miss Jesus one time. You see that? I'd rather be wrong a thousand times to miss him once. And so I continue to step forward in what God wants me to do, even if it's the small things, because I'm doing it because I love him. Third John 1 5. I like this translation in the message. It's the message Bible. It says, When you extend hospitality to Christian brothers and sisters, even that when they are strangers, you make the faith visible. You're literally making faith visible to people when you serve them and you help them in practical ways. And God sees that. And I believe He finds favor with that. A third way you can serve others is by sharing our resources. Now, the first two ways was by what? Sharing by using our talents, by using our helps. And that's easy sometimes. But the third one gets hard because you have this word in here that we don't like. Share. We don't like to share anything. I bought that with my money. It's going to be in my garage and it's staying there. No one's using it. We don't want to share That means this. If I'm supposed to share my resources, that means if I've got possessions that you could use... And you've got possessions that I could use. Maybe we should share. I mean, really, does everybody in the church need a riding lawnmower? But if we were willing to share with each other, we could get by and help each other out and maybe give and share like God wants us to. I remember going over to my neighbor's house. I don't know if he's here this morning. I remember going over to his house one day and he was vacuuming his floor. And he had spots all over this floor and he had this vacuum and this vacuum had like a shampooer on it. And I was, I was amazed. He didn't go to, to Home Depot or Lowe's to borrow this thing. He just, he had it. And he called it a Kirby vacuum. Let me get a Kirby vacuum in here this morning. You know exactly. We're proud of them. Listen to that. They're not a little bit, but high. That's right. I said, wow, this thing is amazing. He was going through, whipping through there, taking all the spots out of this. And I thought this. Now, if we're supposed to share, (laughs) I believe everything I own is God's. I believe everything that you own may be God's. And the Bible says we're supposed to share. Maybe I should ask him, hey, can I borrow your Kirby vacuum? And of course, if you know my neighbor, his name is Rodney. Rodney, he'd give you the shirt off his own back. He's just that type of guy. He was giving, he'd do anything for you. So all the time, I'm knocking on his door, borrowing his stuff. But I like the vacuum so much, I went out and bought one on Craigslist. Got an incredible deal, and I'm selling them in the back today. If you want to get one. I'm joking. You can borrow mine whenever you need to, okay? I'd love to come over and vacuum your house. That's one thing I like to do. 
Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says this. Share with God's people who are in need. That's the word of God. That's not me. That's his word. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Now you need to understand something. That there are people all around you who need your service. In a practical way. There are people in this community, this low country community, who need you. There are people in this church who need you. There are people around this church, in this community, very close to us, that need us to help them in time of need. And I believe this. If we, and if you, want to grow up to be mature Christians and be a spiritual person, you're going to have to learn to treat people the way Jesus treated people. I'm going to have to learn how Jesus treated people and follow Him and what He wants me to do. He always cared for the underdog. Did you see that in Scripture? He always sided with the marginalized people of life. The people that no one else wants to really pay attention to. It was the homeless that He helped. It was the hurting that He helped. It was the sick that He helped. It was the widow that He helped. The orphan that He helped. It was the disease that He helped. Those who were out of work, He helped. And God expects us to do the same thing. I read this fascinating story just the other day. And it was a story about a bishop, a Catholic bishop by the name of Fulton Sheets. And Fulton Sheets was a part of this leprosy camp. And in this leprosy camp, you would go into the gates and it was full of just people who had leprosy. And he looked over into the corner and there was one man all alone. All he had was a loincloth on. You could tell by just looking at him that his body was eaten alive. And he had skin diseases, many skin diseases, and leprosy had taken over. And he was really barely hanging on. You could tell that this particular court was a place of sick people, orphaned people, diseased people. And we looked over to this man, he walked over to him, and he knelt down right next to him. And when he did that, he had a cross on, a wooden cross. And when he knelt down to to pray with the man, the cross fell into the open sore of the man. And he was repulsed. He stepped back. I can imagine his feeling. And all of a sudden, he was filled with compassion. And he reached into the sore. And he took up the cross of Christ. Now listen. I don't know of a finer definition of Christianity than that statement right there. Christianity is reaching into the sores of hurting, broken, homeless people. And taking up the cross of Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is all about. It's picking up the cross and and moving forward in what God wants us to do. You know what? Jesus was speaking to his small group, his disciples. And he said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, If anyone would come after me, he must pick up his cross and follow me. He must deny himself first and then pick up his cross daily, the scripture says. 
and follow me. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever done anything like that before? I mean, help the poor. Not given an offering, but literally help them with your life. Have you ever helped a prisoner personally in life? Have you ever helped a sick person or a dying person in life? One day you and I are going to stand before God. And Matthew 25 says that you and I will be judged on how we treated other people. And Jesus said, I will say I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was sick and in prison and you came to visit me. And we'll say, when did we do that to you, Lord? And he'll say, whenever you've done it to the least of these people, you have done it unto me. And that is what community is all about. It's stepping out, being better together in the community that God has placed us. We've got to bloom where God has planted us and serve those people around us. You see, building community in the church and loving the community around the church should become our mantra in life. Building and loving, continuing. Building and loving. Now, there's a second reason we need each other. Number two is that we reach out better together. Teamwork, simply stated, is less me and more we. You know what? Ken Blanchard said this one time. None of us is as smart as all of us. None of us is as smart as all of us. You see, we actually reach out in the world better together than we can as individuals. Someone once said this. Snowflakes are very frail. But you get enough of them together... They're going to stop traffic. You see what I'm saying? You see the principle? We are better together in life. I can't do a whole lot on my own, and you can't do a whole lot on your own, but together we can make a huge impact in this world. Ken Hunter, this, uh, they call him the church doctor, interviewed 15,000 evangelical churches. And he came to this conclusion after the study that 80% of church members believe that the primary purpose the church was built is to provide a place of fellowship. Think about that for a moment. 80% thought it's just a place of fellowship rather than to reach out to the community that we live in. You see, the church has, I believe, plenty to say to the Christians and sometimes nothing to say to the lost. And we've got to make sure that we, what, begin to share with the lost and this is, a, this is an amazing fact, that in this world that we live in, right now as Christians, as we're moving forward in what Christ wants us to become, and we are silent, at the same time that we are silent, there are 6,000 teenagers every year that are committing suicide. 13 million children are living in poverty in this world. There's 150,000 People in this world that die as a result of, what, substance abuse. There are six million people incarcerated in this country that we live in. 28 million people left the church this last decade. And 72 churches close their doors every week. God, help us. 
God, help us to wake up and see the need that is around us. God, help us not be concerned about what I'm going through, but about what this world is going through. God, they need us. Can you feel that call today? God needs us to step out of where we're at and help him in this world. And the statistics go on and on. And the good part about all of it is this, is that there are 17 million people who would probably accept Christ if someone just asked them. 17 million. Thomas Rainer's book, in his book, Reaching the Unreached, says that. Another 43 million would, would probably say, yes, they're leaning that direction if someone would just step into their life and kind of nudge them along. Did you know that 82% of people that you come in contact with out in the community where you live would come to church if you just asked them? Isn't that amazing? All we have to do is ask and follow his word today. Matthew 9, 37 says, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. I'm that worker. You are that worker today. How do we do that as a church body? As the family of God, how do we do that? Well, we could simply start by doing this, by using our small group to bring people to Jesus. Say, well, I'm not a part of a small group. Good time to join one. Many of you for the first time may have been a part of a a small group in the 40 days of purpose. And you probably can look back and see, man, that really changed my life. That really helped me in in life as I move forward in in what Christ wanted me to do. But there are some people that I know this, that they're scared to come to church. They don't want to sing anything, sign anything, say anything, or sacrifice anything. They're scared. But they would come to your house if you just made the effort. Do you remember the story of the guy on the mat who was paralyzed and his friends brought him to Jesus in Mark chapter 2? Man, that's one of my favorite stories in Mark chapter 2. It says that four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat to Jesus. I love the story because it sets it up that the Pharisees and Sadducees, those wanting to listen to the word of God, were all in this room and Jesus was teaching and there was no room in this place. And if you think about it, everybody had their back turned to the people who really needed to get in. And those four men found a way to work their way up and the way the houses were built, they had a place where you could walk up to the top and they literally began to dig through the roof so their paralyzed friend could get to Jesus. I love that. It didn't take one man. It didn't take two men. It didn't take three men. It took four men to carry him to Jesus. My thought is this. If it just took three, he may have fallen off. It took four men to carry him to Jesus. And so my thought is, within one mile of this church, there are thousands of paralyzed people who can't get to church. They are paralyzed with guilt. They are paralyzed with worry. They are paralyzed with bitterness and anger and malice and slander and loneliness in life. They are paralyzed with depression and they don't know how to get to Jesus. Somebody's going to have to bring them. 
And that somebody is me and you. You see that. And maybe they'll come to your small group before they'll go to church. And that is a good thing. And so one of the elements of the 40 days of community is small group. And we're going to be looking for 200 homes. You think that's way too many. No, it's not. I think God could provide that through you as he speaks to your life this morning. As he speaks to your life. So I want to talk about, real quick, four key elements to the 40 days of community. One, as I just mentioned, is small group. If you are a part of the last 40 days of purpose, you may remember that there was an acrostic called HOST, H-O-S-T. And what that really means is, if you have this, what qualifies you to be a host home? If you have a heart for people. If you can simply just, oh, open your home. S, serve a snack or coffee or chips or whatever it may be. And then T, tell your friends or just turn on the DVD because the good thing about it is, how many has ever heard of Rick Warren? Saddleback Church in California. He's coming to your house. I mean, through video. And all you have to do is turn him on and he plays and the video goes forth and it impacts people's life for Jesus Christ. I think this is a no-brainer. It's easy. You don't even have to have a seminary degree to do this. Just a a passion and a concern for people. And it'll happen. You know what? I believe God didn't bring you here this morning and and through this 40 days of community to watch this thing happen. He brought you here so you could participate. He didn't want you to be a spectator. He wants you to get involved. And we can do that through small groups. And everything that really will function and take place in the 40 days of community starting October 4th will take place in the small group. And so that's why we need small groups. These small groups will be going out into the community doing projects and helping people. One of the projects that we're going to do together as a church and our small group is Mr. Steve Everett is in the back. I see him right there. He can raise his hand. He works at the prison, Libra Prison. God laid it upon his heart to feed all the prison inmates for Thanksgiving. 1,800 men. I said, man, that's a, that, that's a project I want to partner with. And so we're going to partner with him and we're going to provide chickens. Mashed potatoes. We're going to be a part of that. And you can bring the chicken, the mashed potatoes, whatever. We're going to show you how to do it. And we're going to feed 1,800 men for Thanksgiving. We're going to drop a little note in and says, listen, this meal is provided by Jesus Christ, the hands and feet of faith assembly of God. Amen. And we get to be a part of that. But it is going to function through our small groups. B, the second thing I want to share with you is that there's going to be a daily devotional book. And you'll get this daily devotional book and a study guide free, but you only get it free when you join a small group. You've got to join a small group. You'll have scripture memorization for the, for the week. Then there will be wait, weekend messages that Pastor Larry will be sharing every weekend and, and, and our small group will follow up with that. And God, I believe, is going to do an incredible thing in this community and our church through 40 Days of Community. We're not going to look inward. We're going to look outward and see the need that God is calling us to. And so we need host homes. The second way that we can reach our community for Christ is this. Is by praying for our city. By praying for our city. 2 Thessalonians is our key scripture to all of this. And it's for our prayer ministry. I know Miss Bobby Joe has been praying 
Lord, the 40 days of community. And in the message, in 2 Thessalonians 3.1, it says this. I love the way it says it. Pray that the master's word will simply take off and race through the county to a groundswell of response. Wouldn't you like to see that happen right here in the low country? That that sweat would just begin to grow and grow and grow. And many people would be added to the church just like it was in what the New Testament. Daily people were added to the church because of what God had done. But prayer is the key to everything. And it's going to be our focus to see what God can do. The story of King Hezekiah is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible that provides this clear example of how revival blesses a nation through the faithfulness and obedience of one person. 700 years before the birth of Christ, it may seem light years away from today until you read Hezekiah's description of his society. This is twenty over 2,500 years ago. Listen to this in 2 Chronicles 29.6. See if it sounds familiar to you. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook Him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on Him. What's that sound like? It sounds just like America today. But you see, Hezekiah wasn't content to sit idly by and watch his moral destruction of his country. He had to do something about it. In less than one month into his reign, he called for this, to restore the temple of God. And restore a relationship with God. And then he said in 2 Chronicles 29, 11, And I think this scripture is for us today. He said, My sons, I would say to you, Faith assembly, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before Him. And to serve Him. And to minister before Him. And to burn incense. That God at this time, October through November, He has chosen us to minister before Him. And be his hands and his feet. And so the nation, which once would have walked with God, now scrapped by as a derelict collection of disorganized, disenchanted, disoriented people. Yet now, through the faith of this one man, King Hezekiah, their long march of disobedience and drought ended. And through the vision and courage and faith of King Hezekiah, the call was sent forth and people responded. And the whole assembly said this, worship together. The singers sang and the trumpets blared and sounded. And something truly remarkable happened which had not taken place in generations. And you can read it in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, 30, and 31. That all of a sudden believers begin to call upon other believers to what? Repent. The call brought new unity and new desire among the people to give a greater portion of their possessions back to God. And then an individual renewal grew into this groundswell of corporate response where people shared their material possessions with others in need. And like King Hezekiah, who sought the Lord, who can come to God We can do this. We can come to God just as we are with everything that we have. Everything that saddens us and concerns us and moves us about the condition of our nation. And we can give it back to Him today. Through the 40 days of community, we're going to understand that we are better together. What do you have to offer Jesus Christ? As I close today, I want to share with you a particular event that happened in my life in 1999. 
I was a youth pastor going on our very first mission trip to Reynosa, Mexico. And I knew that God had called me and God had called the youth that we were part of to go and build homes for people who had nothing in life. We would build a 12 by 16 foot home made out of wood with one door and one window. And I was going to raise money so that these young people could experience this. And I I thought, God, I want to raise money, but I want to do it in such a way where it just cost a young person 160 bucks to go on a mission trip for nine days. So they can come back and say, I built a home for somebody who is in need. And so several different young people got to go and be, be a part of that trip. And literally people would tear their little shacks that were made out of wood and scrap wood that was around. And they tore it down so we could come build them a home. And you should have seen the tears racing down their face so they could get a brand new home to live in. And I remember we had different fundraisers. And one of the fundraisers that we had, I called it Dollar Day. All you had to do was bring a dollar to church. And I had this wheelbarrow. And it was my grandfather's wheelbarrow because he was a carpenter and he was a preacher. And he loved to give to God's work. And I remember wheeling that thing down to the front of the church and people one by one began to just respond to the Lord and get up and come and drop their dollar. And I remember this one lady, her name was Opal James. And Opal James came down. She sat in this section over here and she literally just walked down, could barely get down, and she dropped this sack in the offering that morning. And it literally broke my heart. Because this is a woman who had nothing to give. And she told me after service, she said, Pastor Craig, I've been saving for six months to give to this mission trip so people could go on the mission field and so young people's lives could be changed. So I counted up all the money and I saved it and I put it in my drawer and I gave the money that she had given. And she's had collected over six months' time, two dollars, and 11 cents. All pennies and one dime. And she ate at McDonald's. But she had a heart for people. And she gave. I'm asking you today. You have a heart for people? You want to be a part of a 40 days of community that's reaching outside the walls of, of this church? And making an impact for Christ. I want to do that. I want to be a part of that and let God work through me. And so I'm going to show you a quick video. And my prayer this morning is this, that God is reaching into your heart and life and compelling you, saying, I'm going to be a part. I'm going to be a host. I'm going to be a part of the 40 Days of Community. But first, I want to show you a video. And this is from our pastor, Pastor Larry, as he shared. We're going to learn what on earth is our church here for? Why did God raise up faith as some of God? Why do we need each Amen. You've got that card in your bulletin this morning. There may be some ushers. And we're just asking one per family, and you can take it out even right now. And I'm going to ask you in the next few moments, get alone with the Lord. And this is your opportunity to sign it. Yes, I will participate in 40 days of community, and you can check that box. Read each day's devotional. You can check that box. I'll do my best to hear all seven messages. You can sign it and date it. And then also on that back, just like Pastor said, if you would love to be a host home, if you just you want you want more questions answered, you want to be a part, 
I encourage you, please, right now, fill it out. First name, last name, email address, your street address, city, zip. And you can fill that out. And if you don't have a pen this morning, on your far left, my right, there are pens on the end of the row. And if no one has a pen on that row, you can reach there. If you're sitting on the end and pass that down. If you don't have a card and uh, where you're sitting and you need a card, there's ushers around here. Just raise your hand and say, I need a card. They might be able to help you with one. And uh, then you can continue. But we're just going to make this a matter of prayer. We're going to keep this a matter of prayer for just a moment. We're going to pray together. But I want you to think seriously about, write it out right there. Am I going to be a host? I'm going to be a part of the 40 days of community. What does God want me to do during this 40 days of community that He's calling me to? This podcast has been a presentation of Faith Assembly where our mission is to connect people with Christ and to experience life. Thank you for listening this week.